You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castrone. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. Still here? Still keeping an appropriate social distance from you? Yes, you're doing a great job, and we're really fighting the good fight. This is Jackie Do- Daytona, of course, the theme song of the show. And um, I want to give a shout out. Jack Doyle, who is the man behind Jackie mm-hmm. Daytona, he's on the front lines uh, of this COVID-19 thing. He's in the medical field, and he's treating patients and working with people and being with people when their days end and all that stuff. Frontline masks on, hoping not to get sick themselves. Jack Doyle, shout out to Jackie Daytona. I hope he's playing that song every time a patient is discharged, because that would just get me pumped up to go back out there and live life. Yeah, if you don't know, check it out. uh, Jackie Daytona, uh, wherever you get your streaming and you get uh, that song. What is that song called? Do you remember, Bob? I don't, but we don't thank him enough that here we are two years into our Patreon days, three years total. Oh, my God. Is this three years now? It's Yeah, we're coming up on it. No, I think we're here. Like We're right around there. Yeah, we did it. It was May, I think. Yes. But we were already in the garage doing failed episodes before that. (laughs) That's true. So we've been listening to Jackie Daytona for three years now. So thank you to Jack Doyle. Uh, Coming to Get You is the uh, lead track from the album She's So Hot by Jackie uh, Jackie Daytona. Check it out. Let's listen to a little bit of it. There's also another track on it, one of my favorite songs on the album called California that came out of a conversation that Jack, who is married to my wife's cousin, mm-hmm. um, a conversation with Emily about California. He wrote that song, California, on that album. Very that? cool. So uh, thank you, Jack, for what you do. That He's one of the great guys that I've ever known. All right. Bob, how are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm still here. We're uh, second show of the night. Second show of the night. This is the longest I've been away from my family in months. Feel good. Flying. Feels good. I remember like right. Doesn't make you bad either that it feels good. No, it's just, I mean, come on. I remember right after uh, my son was born, I had to drive to Arizona like a couple of months later. And it was like the first time I was like driving alone in a car for like five hours. And I remember just going through the desert after all the craziness of having a newborn. And it was the most listening to Radiohead. I put on radio because I was like, this is perfect desert music. And just like being like in bliss in the desert as the sun was setting and just peace and quiet for five hours. This is kind of feeling like that now. Okay, I got you. Yeah. I mean, the perfect American Desert album is the Joshua Tree by U2, but listen, uh, Radiohead they're, is one of my favorites. So. They're Americans? You do? Kind, well, I guess Radiohead isn't either, so I don't really have an argument here. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, we are in the garage. We are, we're getting some time away from the family and. Um, we're enjoying it and we are six ish feet apart. Yeah. So don't worry about us. We have a 
plexiglass has been installed. We are we are rub, we are rub, we are rubbing our toes together. Yes, from underneath the table as far as we can. And a couple boners in play too. I mean, but our boners are at least four feet apart. Right. And there's been no medical evidence concluding that boners are the cause of this. None. Although I did, see, me. A, I did see a headline today. I did not click oh. into it because certain stories that are going on in the COVID-19 world, I just don't even want to click into. Yeah. Like uh, scientists believe testicles are drawing the coronavirus. I don't even know what it meant. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. So I'm just going to stay away from that link. I like pulling out the stuff that benefits me directly when you see things like, oh, people with type O blood uh, might be immune to it. I'm like, oh, I'm in the clear now. I got type O blood. <laughs> Is that the new one? Yeah, I saw that. I'm, <laughs> a, I'm O positive. I can do whatever I want now, people. That feels like the next COVID-19 trope. The the. The one that's been raging for a long time is, oh, I, I'm almost certain I already had it, so yes. I'm immune. Which is something that I've said, my wife has said, we're, we've already <laughs> attributed said, to our kids. You've said it. Yeah, yeah we've all had it. Everyone, cause Everyone you know thinks what, they've had it. Because you just want to have had it. Because that means, A, you didn't die or go to the hospital because of it. Yeah. And then you can't get it again. But then there's another link that I didn't click into. It was like, in Denmark... We're seeing people retest positive for corona. Uh, I don't want to know. No. Because that's the end of the world. <laughs> and then there was another headline that I saw. It was, again, did not click in. Scientists believe the second wave of coronavirus this fall and winter could be a mutation that's even worse, which I am on record, maybe on the show. I said it to somebody. That's when it ends. If this thing mutates, right. we're, we're done. Done. Basically, it's like a coin flip right now. Could go either way. Let's not talk about this. <laughs> I can't deal with this bullshit anymore. I know. I just want answers. And uh, I want it to be over, Dan. I'm the guy that wants it to be over. You know what? I'm just going to say over it. guy. I'm just going to say it. Hey, you know what? just want this to be over. Nice, Bob. That was brave. Thank you. That's brave. Thank you. We should actually get on that corner. You know how it's become fairly popular in um, merch, like, fuck cancer. Oh, yeah. Like, cancer's my bitch. And it's like very kind of kind of like spitting in the sky a little bit about what a piece of shit cancer is. Yeah, fuck it you, is. cancer, you piece of shit. We should get on the fuck you COVID-19 <laughs> merch train. Hey, Boozies, t-shirts, hats. Hey, COVID, dot, 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 go fuck yourself. Hashtag throwback pod. <laughs> so now we're tying it in. No, it's got to be a separate venture, I oh, think. Oh, separate business venture. Yeah. It's like keep calm and COVID on. Like we could just like really like market this. Right. Or like, uh, you know, hey, COVID-19, eat my fat dick. <laughs> like, and that will be like marketed towards men, know, like cool kids, like the cool kids. Yeah. I like this. I think we got like something. Like a more here. adult oriented. You know what? I think we have to cut this out of the episode because we don't want somebody else stealing our idea. Mm. So. IP alert. I, although this also would work in court if we state cease and desist to anyone that will even think of having aggro anti-COVID-19 merch. Right. That is how that is how it. that is how the law works. Being is that we are amateur uh, law students. We called it. Called it. All right. Dibs. All right. Fuck so, you, COVID. Right. Millionaires. Millionaires. Here we come. Uh, today's podcast is one that we are excited about because the strokes are uh, the fucking strokes. The you fucking don't have to say anything. The strokes are the strokes. Uh, between it's you know counting crows and the strokes, Bob, are the two bands that we. Both enjoy equally in the sense of uh, like cross DNA of a love of a band. And we've already done the first two Strokes albums. 
and there's a new Strokes album that we both like. You like it more than I, I do. I like it more than you. But I like it plenty. You do like it plenty. I mean, you're sticking a flag uh, in the sand, and you're willing to die on a hill that it's their second best album. Mm-hmm. I'm sure maybe you've calmed down a little bit now. How dare you say that while I was week. taking a sip of beer? I've never said it was their second best album. You did. No, I didn't. What do you mean? Where, why are you just making stuff up and throwing you it at me? You said to me, and on a, a private text exchange with our buddies from New York, that the New Strokes album is better than Room on Fire. I did not say that. Yes, pull you up did. the pull up the text thread. Pull on this. No, you asked me to rank them number wise. Fuck you, COVID nineteen. I gave Is This It a ten, Room on Fire a nine, I gave this an eight. Oh, I think it was close. Maybe even that. an eight five. It was very close. Okay. Well that's kind of my point. Maybe all right, I I take it back. But, but you never, basically said they're the same album essentially in terms of craftsmanship no, and there's hooks a, mid, and all that. This is because you weren't good in math in high school. There's a difference between a nine and an eight and a half. There is a difference. There's not much of one. Doesn't matter. You don't if there's need much to be great one. at math to know that. Doesn't matter if there's much of one. You're there a is a difference. Piece of shit. I like COVID nineteen more than you. What? Yep. How dare you? All right. Let me find the tech. No, we've settled it. But it's it was contentious a little bit, and I think it spilled over into Twitter, and nobody wants that. No. Um. But. The new Abnormal is the new Strokes album, and I think it's excellent. Here's, so good. of course, the Brooklyn Bridge Strokes. And I, I tweeted this, Bob. It's, I'm looking at right now the review uh, on Apple Music. You don't go see Rick Rubin at Shangri-La if you're going to fuck around. For their sixth LP, the Strokes turned to the the Maj of Malibu and produced their most focused collection of songs since 2003's Room on Fire. Classic uh, music critic trope when a veteran band puts out a late period album that's good. You just automatically say it's their best album since their second best album. Right. That's, that's-, that's been d- done for decades and decades in that, in that realm. Yeah. It's, uh- I might agree, by the way. I don't disagree. I just don't think it's even close to Room on Fire. That's fine if you don't think it. It's a different sound. It's kind of tough to compare. This is a band that's it is different. 20 years older now, and it's a much different album. Like I love what they're doing because I've grown up with the Strokes. I've gone from being 20 with them to 40 with them, and I feel like the sound is way different, just like I am way different, and I love what they're doing. I don't think you're that different. I'm hairier. No, you were pretty hairy at 20. <laughs> I'm hairier. <laughs> I mean, you're older for sure. Um, but we both like it and check it out. If yes. you were a Strokes fan who drifted away from the band, and that is totally understandable, uh, some of their output in the last decade or so, uh, this is a real return to form. And um, now I'm just cribbing words from that review I was just making fun of. But uh, we are talking about, on that subject, the third Strokes album. So one of those albums that kind of fell off the radar when you're talking about the history of the band and its first impressions of earth. It was re- released in January of 2006 and essentially the book on the strokes, uh, the layman's book is that, is this it? One of the most important albums of the two thousands room on fire, a perfectly fun. Uh, this is from outsiders follow up that maybe was too much like, is this it, mm-hmm. but has good songs on it as well. And then they just went into the wilderness Mm -hmm. uh, and it more or less disappeared from the mainstream. Uh, But this album, Bob, what as we were about to dig into it, do you have fond memories of when the album came out or were you 
bummed out when you heard First Impressions of Earth. I loved it when I heard it because I wanted to love it. Right. It was an album that I was excited about. You almost needed, you needed it to be good. I needed it to be yeah. good and I loved it. And it was like the le- for, for many years, to me, it was the last good Strokes album that I was just going to like have to go back to and listen to again. And I kind of gave up. You were up. resigned to it. I was resigned to yeah. it. And I had kind of given up after Angles, which had we talked about it on our best of the decade, had some couple of good songs, but it wasn't a good album. And then Come Down Machine, which was a complete letdown. Very forgettable. I had kind of put the strokes away. I had kind of folded them up, put them in a drawer. That was it for the strokes. But then this album happened. And now because of this album, because of the new abnormal, I feel like I am allowed, not even allowed, I am, I am happy that the strokes were not a band that died in 2006 they're a band that now has another great album and because of that it allows us to go back and look at listen to come down machine knowing they had more good stuff in them listen to angles again and listen to first impressions of earth knowing that this wasn't the last gasp of a band that i loved and such a bummer we had tickets to see them at the forum before this album came out it's being rescheduled for the end of May, yeah. that's not going to happen either, obviously. Right, yeah. so. We're going to go see the Strokes and King Princess <laughs> at the Forum on May 28th. That's happening. <laughs> Good job there, uh, Dolan. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's a bummer, but I agree with you. I, this We're both on a Strokes kick right now uh, because of how kind of rock solid the new album is. And it is a good time, we figured, to revisit another album from their past. So why don't we get into it? So this came out in very early, the first week of January 2006. January 3rd. Very strange timing right off the bat for the album. Like back in those days, it's probably still true now, but everything's so much different now. But if you believed in an album as a record label, you put it out. October, November. October, October, November. So everybody, the whole, all that you can't leave behind. How Bob had seven copies of that U2 album he didn't Mm -hmm. want. So ants that don't know what else to do. Uh, for a gift for their teenage uh, nephews or nieces, just get an album. Right. So dumping this in January was a sign that the record company maybe wasn't all on, on base, uh, all on board. But I'll tell you what, this is my favorite Stroke song. This is one of their best songs ever. Yeah. I, this is this is it's, my number one. This is the song, <laughs> and, as, and it makes sense because this like distills everything the Strokes 
do amazing into one song. It's like, everything beautiful everything about, beautiful the about the strokes. In January of 2006, I was just about to have a kind of a career slash life changing uh, change uh, in jobs where I was working at a PR firm in a job that kind of just wasn't my thing. And I was uh, doing a reverse commute from Hoboken to Rockland County. And it was just like when we talk about how we kind of needed the strokes to put out a great album, uh, especially in the cold of winter in New York, Mm -hmm. it was like, come on, give us something to enjoy. And when it's, you know, four degrees and miserable out all the time. And when you put this in the CD player uh, back then, and this was track one, you're like, oh, my God, this is about to be the greatest Strokes yeah. album and the best rock album I've ever heard. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I felt. exactly what you want your favorite band or one of your favorite bands to do. Just put that out. Track one. Uh, and I think that it's notable enough and a song that we both love enough that Big Strokes fans know that there is like an alternate version called I'll Try Anything Once. It was like a demo. Attend decision, shape your life. You'll be aware of five about seven ways to go through school. Either you'll notice or left out. Seven ways to get ahead. Seven reasons to drop out. When I said, I can see me in your eyes You said, I can see you in my pants That's not just friendship, that's romance too You like music, we can dance too Sit me down So cool mm. It's so cool Um and that's the true test of a great song is that you can kind of pull it apart and put it back together in different ways and it's just another great version of that song yeah um but i love what they did like coming from that as the origin i th- i couldn't have asked for a better way to like land at the final product which doesn't always work out when you especially remember in the like kind of napster era there's a uh, oasis song called it's a crime that was like a napster classic for mm. fans and then it showed up a decade later as Let There Be Love on Don't Believe the Truth. And it was nice, uh, but it had lost like kind of like the raw immediacy of the demo version with Noel. Mm-hmm. This is different. This is like, I feel like they all worked together and made a fucking killer song. Yeah, Julian was like, here's this thing I got. And then Nick and Albert came in, they put their guitars over it, and it just became... They did it. They did it. Um, but that was not the first single released. Why would it be? Why would the Strokes, who are dumping their album on January 3rd, 2006, release maybe their best song as their first single? That would be stupid. Instead, they went with a kind of a awkward rocker uh, called Juicebox. That's not a that's not a good setup. Come on. A little bit of a awkward rocker. Okay. In my opinion, but let's listen to it. little thing. I don't know why you think that. 
Everybody sees me, but it's not that easy Standing in the light field, standing in the light field Waiting for some action, waiting for some action over Why won't you come over here? So cool. Great. I say that in a loving way, though. That it, it is, a, it kind of hits you as like, whoa, what's going on here with, with the way you, you just kind of, the song explodes with that bass line uh, and the guitar and... But in well, terms of the bridge and the chorus and then this part, uh, this part I love everything. This part right it. here? Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest moments in my life, putting it up there, Ooh. was when we snuck into that Rolling Stone 50th anniversary party or whatever it was. And... You creeped out Drew Barrymore. We've talked about it. We won't get back into it again. I don't think I creeped her out. Totally creeped her out. I think we had a conversation. When the strokes took I said something to her. She said something back to me. Uh, did she we say something back to each other? Oh, no. Now it's and completely... Then I went back to my, uh, that's a completely, my whiskey. That's a completely different story. Uh, it's kind of like no, a Don Draper you had it Peggy right, combo. No, you had it right at first. You said something to her. Then her and her friends switched places so you wouldn't be next to her anymore. And that's kind of like a meet cute. That's how you saw it from the outside, but I was there. <laughs> that's how me and the bouncer who was watching the entire thing play outside, I'm sure. Go but on. While we were up there, you. the Strokes were playing. The Strokes took the stage, and they tee up Juice Box, and Eddie Vedder comes out. Oh, right. To do Juice Box with them. Jesus. And for me, it was like my favorite band of the first 20 years of my life, my favorite band of the next the 20 Splooch? years. All over Drew Barrymore, which is probably didn't help you. Didn't you embarrass yourself in front of a cast member of like The Office later on that night? I had a great talk with John Krasinski, and I embarrassed myself in front of Horatio Sands. Ah. Yeah. And you did, it was not a great talk. No, it was. I remember that was nice. No, you. What about Pam? <laughs> he wasn't, she doesn't deserve you. Fucking he was asshole. barely famous. The Office was like between season one and two, so it wasn't like a hit yet. Oh, Bob. We were we were boys, but anyway, Eddie Vedder singing this part, like singing the chorus of Juicebox Look at that was cameras on one night in our. 20s, I know that would be it. That would be the night. That would definitely be it. Me and me and Kraz just hanging out. Yes, sir. All right, that is a, it's a great song. Great song, I, cool video. Do you remember the who uh, the comedian that was David in the video? Cross. Yes, he goes. Uh, he was playing like a uh, hack DJ, introducing yeah. them in the song. And he's like, their new song, Juicy Juice. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> very good. I don't know if I totally get the David Cross appeal, but I oh, I love David Cross. He was at that especially, concert, especially yes, was, and especially there. in the uh, early two thousands. He had a couple of uh, albums way before podcasts, Dan. He had a couple of, uh, I know you're like the podcast Are guy. Are you educating me right now? You're the podcast guy. So I just want you to know, before podcasts, before every comedian had a yes, podcast, Bob. there was something called comedy albums. And David Cross had two of the best comedy albums of the early 2000s. I mean, so. he was like the, um, your cool older brother's favorite comedian, which is a nice lane to be in. But then he would like star in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. Like, so which what are we he, doing exactly He's here? talked about that. He's talked about that. He's talked about how... But just because you talk about it doesn't mean that you're absolved of no, the he, sin. He, uh, no, he came out against people like you saying, he, yes, he had... A, people like me. He had, he had built up all of this indie cred, but he found when he was trying to buy a uh, summer, uh, summer house in Vermont that he couldn't pay with indie cred. He was unable to purchase the, uh, 
the bungalow. I like, so. I'm curious what like Lou Reed would have to say about that. I'm sure Lou Reed was doing the same thing when he when he was disappointed he didn't get the Alvin and the Chipmunks role. All right, uh, let's uh, move on to. All right, so the album's pretty front loaded. By, by the way, so far we're doing great here. And you just by the way, you also just compared Lou Reed to the comedian from Mr. Show. Come on. <laughs> No, what I, my point was not comparing them as like comparable artists. I'm saying okay. that Lou Reed was a guy that you know didn't have a bunch of top ten hits, but just because he wasn't a billionaire like the guys from Led Zeppelin, it, you know, it didn't mean that he was going to resort to releasing like Coke commercial jingles. Like sometimes you have artistic credibility that trumps the idea of like, but I really want a house in Vermont. I'm okay with David. You're not off the hook just because you call out the fact that you sold out your integrity. That's all. I don't think you're selling out your integrity if you do an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie to make some money. See, well, there's the difference between you and I, Bob. You like you, too. I love you. Too. All right, here we go. Heart in a Cage. You two wasn't paid for those Apple ads, by the way. We saw the Strokes during this tour on Summer Stage, Central Park. Yes. A absolute shit-faced uh, Julian Casablanca, <laughs> who despite being drunker than possibly anyone I've ever seen in my life, um, still delivered the goods. It was a great concert. And I do remember these songs really did sound great live. As you might expect, Razor Blade, Heart in a Cage, uh, but I mean, Juice Box as well. Uh, excuse me, Heart in a Cage Juice Box sounded incredible uh, live. Yeah, and they, I mean, it was that bigger sound that they wanted. You know, there's a lot of stories about the Strokes about how after Room on Fire, they were pissed off to seeing bands like The Killers getting bigger than them, and they Which wanted... They, I don't know about... They shouldn't have said that, but I, I get it. They weren't, like, you know, releasing press releases like it, but... But they gave an interview basically saying that we have better songs than them. Why aren't we as popular as them? Which I guess it's okay, but the killers at that stage are putting out great I, music too. I don't think they were saying it to the interviewer. I think it was more like they were they were quoting kind of themselves saying that about, hey, how come we're not bigger to their producers? Like, right. why aren't we bigger? So they made a concerted effort in this album to have a bigger sound. And I think this song does it so well. This song is a perfect example for me. Like, I like the verses. I like the bridge, the chorus. But what separates this album from the first two, I don't know if there's just something feels, and I can't even put my finger on it, missing. 
that separates it from like my favorite Stroke song. Like maybe it is that production that it's a little like kind of shinier and there's a gloss on it. And which uh, you normally love, which I normally love. But I think what I love so much and what so many people loved about those first two Strokes albums, albums that they just felt so real and authentic and didn't have that sheen. And I don't know if Sheen suits them as well as it does another band. No, I completely get that. I think that's a, they had kind of built this, they kind of claimed this corner of being this sort of lo-fi garage rock New York band. And then when you added this bigger, shinier element, I think it did lose people. I wonder what this song would have sounded like, like with the older strokes. Like on Room on Fire. Hmm. We'll never know about. No. That's life. But we're on fire, I think. Speaking of Room on Fire, we're even with that said, You Only Live Once, Juice Box, Heart in a Cage is a great start to the album. Absolutely. So, so far, and I haven't really listened to this album in full in, in quite a while. So far, like I'm like thinking to myself, wait, did they have like a, a trifecta of great albums to start their career? This is something that you and I would argue about over the years. And the argument became less and less after Angles and Come Down Machine because I, I wasn't ready to fight you about the strokes anymore, but I would argue that this was a great album in that tier. Yeah. And I thought it was a, I've always thought it was a good album, but not great. All All right. right. Here's Razorblade. Foot comes off the gas after those three songs for this uh, Barry Manilow sounding razor blade. Yes. My mom's a huge Barry Manilow fan. And uh, when are we getting Deb on the pod? See <laughs> some Manilow. I can't get that out of my I've never was able to get that out of my head, but that's fine. It was, it's Mandy, uh, the Manilow classic. Yeah. And I mean, now here we are many years later and the strokes are paying Billy Idol so they can do bad decisions and crediting him as a songwriter. I think there's a second song on the new album where they do that as well. There's another song that kind of sounds like the psychedelic furs, but I don't think they credit them as, I think it's like close, but not close enough. I like this. I like the guitar. I like the classic strokes guitar noodle in here. I like this one. Like if if we went to see the, the strokes and, August, if they tried to reschedule again, 
and this showed up, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. They played Razorblade. So did we ever tell the stroke story about when we saw them at the Will Turn? I don't know if we ever told it on the pod. I don't think we actually ever told the story. Because it's one of the greatest accomplishments Wild. of your life. It, it was a pretty big win. It was one of your biggest, one of your biggest wins. Big W. I can't believe you didn't call an emergency pod just to gloat about how you pulled this thing off. Like, it's amazing what happened that night. So this was about a year ago, right? Yeah. And uh, the Strokes had not done a live show in several years. And they were doing a one-off show at the Wiltern here in L.A. to benefit a food bank. Mm-hmm. L.A. food bank, I think it was. And um, as you'd imagine, the for a, like a theater show for you know a band with as big a fan base as The Strokes, it sold out instantly. And one night. Like it was one off, one, an one-off show, and to get tickets, we signed up for the fan club or whatever it was, and then or whatever the wait list thing was, and then you, you would maybe get an email if you were a part of the lottery. We were not, so we were kind of fucked. So we are like, all right, let's use a little bit of money and... Uh, and maybe try to scalp tickets that or not scalp tickets. We we're trying to find tickets online. Nothing, nothing, was, online. nothing was happening. Not even an option because it was one of those ticket buyer things where you had to present your ID um, to prevent scalping and all that stuff. So we still held out hope. So the show comes and um, you're working somewhere. And I no, I was in a, I was in a pretty low place that night. What was your situation again? I was kind of feeling like uh, I was kind of between gigs. Nothing was oh, happening. That's right. And there was an event over at the uh, Directors Guild. Oh, right. That I was like, you know what? I need to go. Do, I need to go to this thing. I need you to show like, face. Need to show some face. Like, Got to press some flesh. We had we had made these plans to like stand in front of the Wiltern and try to get our talk our way in. But I was like, I need to do this. I just need to find something. Right. So, so I, I like, as like a, a true friend, I said, Bob. You do what you have. This is the exact conversation. Bob, I get it, man. And you know I'm here for you always. Do what you got to do. And you I, know what? I, will, I, I can't remember the actual conversation, so I'm just going to say that's what happened. You do what you got to do, man. And you know what? Keep your head up because you got talent. And you work hard. And talent and hard work eventually leads to opportunity. Of course. I think you, were, you said like something it. like, Dan, wow, you're living proof. Maybe not, word, maybe not word for word, but that's. The gist of it. Uh, yeah. work, you look good. You've been like working out. You're doing the Peloton a lot or something. I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm just working at it. Things are, you know, things are looking up for the old Zeus. This was an in-person combo? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, FaceTime maybe. <laughs> uh, we were Zooming. We were the first Zoom conversation ever. Wow, we're doing it all. <clears throat> but anyway, so Bob went to his thing uh, trying to get his career on track. Fucking loser. <laughs> and uh, I uh, drove to the Wiltern. I found the night started off in a good place because I found a dream spot right in front of the fucking theater mm-hmm. about two hours before the show. And then I proceeded to just stand there like a piece of shit for 90 minutes. And there was nothing going on. There were a few scalpers mingling around homeless people. Uh, and then as it got closer to showtime, everyone started showing up to go, get into the facility. Everybody's excited. And then it's that depressing point. If anyone's ever tried to scalp tickets before, where you, like all hope is basically lost, and now all these fans of the band that probably don't like the band half as much as you do are now like rolling into the show in their mm-hmm. hipster leather jackets and all these assholes. Motherfuckers. Um, so um, I think that's when we connected, and you had gotten out of the meeting. No, uh, I, I was still there. You were still there. And I said, yeah, this is not looking good. There's no tickets to be found. I think I had like 300 bucks in my pocket. And... Um, and I was like, do you want to just meet for a drink at a place nearby? 
and we had settled on some like awful like Mexican cantina or something. Sounds right. And then I said, all right, I'm just going to hang around here for another like 10 minutes. And then I saw a line and I was like, what is this line? It was a will call line. So I said, what the fuck? I'll just get on this will call line. And uh, and when I get to the window, I'll just like talk to the lady that's giving out tickets. I don't know. I'll just go talk to her. Just <laughs> you got nothing to lose at this point. And then uh, so the line's moving. And then when I get to the front of the line, I just say I just think to myself, just ask for two tickets and have her laugh at me and share a moment. Maybe she'll take pity on me. I say, can I get uh, two tickets for tonight? And she goes, OK, we have the second level and the third <laughs> level. And I'm like, wait, really? And I didn't want to like give up my story or like even like hint that I was shocked. And I was like, uh, yeah. let's go to in the second level. And it was the front row of the first mezzanine. Uh, so awesome seats. And then she's like, OK, it will be you know, 200 bucks or something. So it's face value. Meanwhile, these things are selling for like a thousand dollars a ticket. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, OK. And and uh, <laughs> so I get the tickets. and I'm kind of in a state of shock. And she won't give me the tickets because she won't give the tickets over until both people are there. It's, it was that strict so then i called i was like bob you got to get the fuck here i just got tickets the show's starting in 20 minutes or even less than that and uh they won't let us in until you're here so i shook my last hand and sprinted the fuck out (laughs) of the beverly wilshire or whatever it was the beverly hilton and uh sped to the wiltern and uh we got you got there you found a spot and then we got the tickets and raced in just as they're playing the first song which was was it Razorblade? It was Razorblade, not Razorblade. It was, no, it was um, Razorblade. Heart in a Cage. Yes, they started with Heart in a Cage. Yes. We just heard, and uh, we ended up it having was, a great night. Yeah, it was insane. So you did. I, I kind of did, and it was all because I just got on that fucking line, and then it turned out the bouncer told me he said, "Yeah, they just they just released uh, like fifty tickets, and they actually weren't supposed to, and it was kind of an accident, so you just came at the right time." Yes. Kismet. All right, here's On the Other Side. Now look at you, Bob. You're you're you've been working steadily ever since. There it is. It's all because of I think you. it's all connect. Well, all right. That wasn't where I was going with that, but uh, <laughs> that works too. It's almost like I'm on the other side. Oh, how about that? Uh, this but, is a great song. I forgot how much I like this song. So good. And uh, But I think for a band that, knowing now, that was about to go through a decade plus of kind of hating each other and not wanting anything right. to do, the first line of, I'm tired of everyone I know, <laughs> yes. of everyone I see on the street and on TV, there's nobody waiting for me on the other side. I think Julian's got there might have been some problems on the horizon. And I, I want to just, I'm going to walk it back. I said it's great. There is something wrong with this song. And it's not this. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll drink even more. I'll hate 
It's a wet fart chorus. A bit of a wet fart. It's a little. It's a little underwhelming simple. after a great buildup. Yeah. It's almost like he couldn't be damned to like show that he gave a fuck. He's singing about how down he is on everything, and then he's like, "I'm not even going to give you like a cool strokes chorus here." Yeah. He's so bummed out. You know that is because there is something that keeps this from being a great stroke song, and I think you're right. I think it's the chorus. Maybe that's and maybe that's a you know something he did on purpose. Maybe that was the artistic decision there, just to like. That was his fuck you to his band. And I his, could see him doing that. I could see him doing that, totally too. Totally Casablanca's territory. Because this part coming up, when he kicks back into the verses, is amazing. Oh, there's a little stop, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little stop down. This part right here. Oh, yeah, this is great. So good. Up. What a cry for help. It's a different type. Like, Duritz is fucked up in a way. It's more kind of surfacey. And, but Casablanca's at this stage in his life is a fucking We should have known right here that this was going to be their last great yeah, album hiatus for a while. coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. On the other side. A very interesting song. It is, but I think that's that a great uh, observation. The chorus is what kind of holds it back. Interesting. All right. Here is Vision of Division. Oh, yeah. Like this sounds one. very kind of room on fire, yep. right? Multiple songs cut into one song, doesn't it? It feels like pure emotion versus it being an actual song. I feel like it doesn't flow very well, but I like all the different parts. Well, the beginning sounded like a song off Room on Fire. Right. And now this is something else. All these songs, I've listened to this album so much that they're all kind of imprinted in my brain. Um... But again, I kind of put this in the same category as Razorblade. I like it, uh, but there's something that separates it from the Stroke songs that I love. Right. Yeah, I would say this is not a song I love. Vision of Division. Another kind of negative title as well. I mean, do you think he was even talking to his bandmates at this point? I mean, things were rough. The next album, which came after a long layoff, as we were alluding to, 
I think that was the album where they didn't even work together in the studio. Right. Which is always just, the sign of the veteran band, like, fucking on the outs. Yep. Uh, when they're not even doing their... They're all just writing their parts. Right. And, and they each wrote a couple of songs, and they were not there together. Yeah. All right. This is a nice little... This album needs something like this right here, so ask me anything. Right, wrong, here it comes. What to do someday it will come to you. Where do you come down on that lyric in the song? I've got nothing to say. No, you know that that lyric, the line of the song. It's coming up, I think, in the next verse. I don't remember. All right, here it comes. Okay. Now Julian Casablanca is just saying, "I have nothing to say." <laughs> Leave me alone. Over and over again. Come on, come down on Don't Be a Coconut. God is trying to talk to you. Uh, have you not seen my tattoo <laughs> on my bicep? That's... It, it just says, don't be a, and then a giant coconut yeah. with Julian's face <laughs> transposed on top of it. Somebody has that. There's like one person that got it Somebody in has years. that, yeah. You just like walked around the Lower East Side with like sleeveless shirts on waiting for someone to connect with it. You guys get this? You guys get what this is? It's like, no, we didn't get the Third Strokes album. No, we kind of tapped out after two. <laughs> This song is interesting, though. It's interesting. It is interesting, too, being seven songs in now. And I don't, I haven't heard anything that kind of leads me to where they are now. You know, yeah. like, a lot of people are saying how, like, the new album, it's like, kind of, nobody's calling it a throwback, but it's like, oh, yeah, it's like classic strokes. Or they'll say something right. like that, but nothing. It's kind of in its own. And the first seven songs sounds like it could fit on the new abnormal. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Maybe that makes this album, um, even if it's not your cup of tea, one of their more interesting albums because it kind of is in its own place. And I think it's more interesting now knowing that own category. they didn't get progressively worse and then die off. Like the new abnormal. That was a relief. It changes every. The whole narrative is different now, which makes me happy. They now have a chance to be the veteran band that puts out albums that you still enjoy. Right. Which it seemed like they had, were entering Lost Cause territory. Yes. Quite honestly. All right, here's Electric Cityscape. By the way, why is this 14 tracks? It's only... The strokes of all bands are doing this to me. They made up for it to you with nine on the new one. Yeah, but how about... I mean, what's 14 plus nine? 23. How, how come we couldn't have a 13 and a 12 or whatever? They're even. They're they're thinking career. They're evening it did out. I, for did you. I get the math there? Thirteen and twelve. Does that add up to fourteen and what? Nine. <laughs> Twenty. Carry the three. All right. Here we go. It's 
kind of sounds like Strokes on autopilot to me. See, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. All right, I'll shut up. Here we go. You belong to the city. Got it. It's just a really cool song. This sounds like a real rock song. Like in an alternate universe, this would have been a big hit on the radio. And what universe? I don't know, but it's there's, it's not doing anything that other big rock songs don't do. Like this, this works as a song. It's like interesting. It's got that guitar. The choruses are great. Like just the whole sound of it is great. I think that's my problem with it. That it's to me, it's not interesting. It's kind of just sounds like. If you like made a stroke song in a factory, it would sound like Electric City Scopes. That doesn't sound like that to me. Hmm. You know what? Agree to disagree. All right, just wait a second. This part right here. Ready? Here we go. It sounds like I like a stroke song. This is a weird thing. This is a weird thing to say. It sounds like he's looking up when he's singing the song. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like it sounds like a lot of stroke songs. He's kind of like looking at the mic. There's something about thinking of it because of cityscape. Like looking. No, no. The way he's singing, it's like he's like like Liam Gallagher. Like he's no, not like a dick like a Liam Gallagher. He's just kind of like he's really like sending it out there. Okay. Which he does not do often. Sending like a electric uh, signal, like a. To all the humans, no, a not first like impression that at all. of Earth. No, not like that at all. He's, Don't get mad at me for not understanding your theory here. Like the way that, uh, <laughs> like the like the mouse in uh, an American Tale is looking up at the moon. He's just kind of like singing Don't out there. Like it sounds like Julian is like, like vulnerable. Is there anybody out there? He, he's, does anyone hear me? He's vulnerable in this song in a way, but not like hidden and like kind huh. of keeping him like. Like this. Look, look at me. Like this. He's not doing this. Please stop. He's not doing this. He's doing this. Okay, he's open-hearted. I got it. I'm going to keep doing it until you acknowledge this. I know. I totally respect your right to feel that way about the song. Okay? No. <laughs> not okay. Here's Killing Lies, which I think has a decent chorus. I know I've hammered this into the ground, Bob, but my theory about albums that have too many tracks is you do, you risk the thing just kind of going over long and the album overstaying its welcome. And like if Killing Lies is a perfect example or Electric Cityscape, if that's on a album that's 10 or 11 tracks, like I feel like I'm going to be a little more plugged in. But if it's like track nine of 14 it's just it's asking a lot to hear 14 straight songs and that's kind of like a you know 50 minutes into the process just shut up there's just something you... no there's just something to be said about having a little discipline no i'm saying shut up because i i, I want you to play the next song killing lies does nothing for me okay good because something's gonna happen after the next song 
Is that why your pants are off right now? Yes. Six feet apart. Why did you just lock the door? Wait, is that chloroform on a cloth? (laughs) What are you doing? Get away from me! This should be the last song on the album. And I've felt this way since 2006. This is such... It's a great song. This is such a great last song. Like, this is the perfect song to end this album with. And I'm not discounting the stuff that comes after it, but because of this being such a perfect end song, this feels like the end of the album to me, and everything that comes after it feels extra. Tacked on. Tacked on. So here we are, 100 and whatever episodes in. I agree with you. This album is too long. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, because it may not make sense to people, but... This song is better to me as the tenth, as an album closer, ten of ten. Yes. Compared to ten of fourteen, it's just very hard. If your song is in that realm from the second to last track to like ten to like thirteen, it kind of just gets lost in the mix for most people. The problem I've always had with this album is from here on out, like every song from here feels like the last song, but we've already had a last song, so it's kind of confusing. It. it it may not help that the last three songs don't have the hooks that you need either, but I haven't listened to the end of this album in a long time, so I'm going to keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. But this is a very cool song. This is excellent. This is even a throw po- throwback podcast playlist contender. Ooh, contender, I like maybe. I, like I, just, I don't, We, we shouldn't get wild here, but I think it's worthy of discussion. Totally. Awesome chorus. Yeah, so cool. It's fucking awesome. All right. See, doing this album, rediscovering that song alone, made it worth it. Fear asleep. Even if some of these other songs I'm not feeling. Here's 15 minutes. Out of the first 10 songs, the only one that did nothing for me. Ask killing me any, Lies? Yeah, Killing Lies. Ask Me Anything doesn't really count because it, it is what it is. But Killing Lies really was not special. My wife just texted me that the Santa Ana winds just started going nuts and blowing in a ton of hot air into the house, and it's starting to rattle the garage doors. Oh, man, is this it? Oh, man. 
How lame would it be if we got brought down by wind? <laughs> if wind blew down the garage and crushed us in it, that's kind of a cool way to go out. There's like a, a strong gust of wind. <laughs> Plus people that don't like it, back in New York when your family found out or wherever anybody is just like, yeah, the Santa Ana winds crushed Bob and Dan. So that's kind of cool. I would want them to just say I had coronavirus if that happened. <laughs> yeah, they both had their dicks out when they <laughs> pulled them out of the wreckage. I guess they did that during the podcast. I don't know. Here's 15 minutes, which kind of feels like it runs 15 minutes, as I recall. Let's listen. Here's the thing. I'm being overly critical of this album, but it really speaks to how much I'm in love actively, not loved, in love with the first two albums, which are two of the most important albums in my life uh, when you talk about uh, rock music, and especially in the 2000s. So it's, it's such a hard... It's so hard to live up to those first two records that some of the songs on this kind of almost make me a little bit mad. Like, why can't you be like them? Right. It's like no, the, the run to the litter, but it's really not. But this song gets fun. Okay, here we go. Is this a waltz? It is. It's almost like, because I think it takes a minute to kind of get into it, but it's almost like the first nine songs of this album, they're trying to like, they're trying to find the singles, they're trying to give you stuff for the radio, and then at the end they're actually experimenting a little bit. See here it goes. Balls off this he really one. is. I don't think he gets enough credit for being a great rock singer. It's like a his being able to change registers and his screaming voice is excellent. And his croon, got a great croon, croon. Is underrated. This is a weird song. In a right. good way, like it's it's doing something different. All right, let's let's re. Let's do something. One of the inspirations of this show, Bob, was um, the Adam Scott Scott Ackerman um, U2 podcast, which I listened to, as you might expect, Bob, religiously. And which I have not, as you might expect. (laughs) Um, But they went through every album, and what they would do at the end of an episode is basically redo the track listing Uh uh, to what they think would have been the best version of it, and they would do, in some cases, a radical... Reimagining. That's a great bit. We should have done that. Well, you can't copy them too hard. But I've, uh, ne- I've never listened to it, so it's not copying if I've never heard it. I don't know if you know how copying works. Um, 15 minutes, I think, should have a place in this album. So why don't we just kick out Killing Lies, mm-hmm. put in 15 minutes, keep Fear of Sleep as the last track. I'd be fine with that. You're still kind of saving the weirder ones for the end, though. I'm thinking- Listen to this. Just win. 
Oh my god. I don't know if the mic's picking that up, but if you don't live in Southern <laughs> California, that's what Santa Ana winds sound like when they're whipping. That was the gutters moaning. Tons of palms fronds falling from above as mm, we speak. That's hot. All right. So let's 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 get rid of killing lies, okay? And we'll move fifteen minutes into track nine. No, I want to move it up even sooner. Oh, you want so to move it higher. I want to move it high so you know that this album's a little different. Okay, I see what you're saying, because there's not a lot of surprises in the top of this album. Exactly. You want to put it higher? I do. Like high, high? Yeah, I okay. do. You want to put it at number two before Juicebox? You want to get really crazy? I kind of do. Okay. I, I think you just start off like, here's a classic stroke song, You Only Live Once, and here's 15 Minutes, which is a little weird. It's a little different than what we've normally done. Okay. would have been a perfect like b-side for uh you only live once <laughs> but this is another one that sounds like the last song of an album i do kind of like this part yeah maybe that's what it is for all the kind of the production sheen and it sounds like a well-produced album by a mega successful rock band some of the songs themselves feel a little half-baked, like songs that kind of could have used some more massaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it has that well-produced sheen on top of it, so it's a little disorienting to me. Right. I, that's what I feel when I hear this song. Like, it wasn't a finished product, but they put, all, they, they put the, uh, the lather on top of it and sent it out to the world. Yeah. Eyes of the world. All right. Let's keep moving. We gotta get out of here. That's another one that builds though. Down. Like the way that that one builds, like by the end where he's just losing his mind. Like as a fan, it's awesome to hear that. It, this might be an underrated Julian album in terms of his vocals. Yeah. This sounds like old school shit. Song. It's very weird. Thirteen of fourteen, though. This is the closest one to a song that could be on the new album. Okay, I hear that. It, but if you wanted to relegate this to the b-side of you only live once i would not fight you for that yeah so if you want to kill it's not essential if you want to chop killing lies and evening sun off this album and make it 12 tracks oh 
it's going up a full like letter grade for me. Right. Or maybe I would say, well, let's listen to Red Light before make a final judgment. Looking back 14 years later. What? Yeah, I don't know. We weren't even that young 14 years ago. <laughs> oh, I love this song. I forgot about this one. Here's Red Light. It's almost like a B-side from Reptilia or something. This sounds a lot like uh, Room on Fire. That yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, weird track 14. It's cool, and this doesn't sound like the last song of the album. I feel like every song from... How is Fear of Sleep not the last song? I totally or, or 15 Minutes, or Eyes of the World. I think any of those could have worked as the last song of the album. But not this one. All right, so if I give Is This It a 10, and that is First Impressions of Earth, um... Is this it? Is a ten? Room on Fire for me is a nine. I'm with you. Uh, I am gonna say this probably is right in line with the new album right now for me. So it's kind of in like the seven to seven and a half range, which is very good. Not a classic to me, but a fun listen. And when you come back to it after a long time, you, you forget how many songs you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But there's also a reason why you're not coming back to it like you come back to the first two albums. I'm with you. I would put the new album north of eight, but I'm with well, you. Like with 800 the, out of 10. Oh, I am with you th- with this being he lives like in the moment. He can only live in the moment. Seven, five. Yeah. Seven, five. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know what we should do? That could be fun. Uh, we should do like a contest. Burn down the garage. We don't have to. The whole thing's coming down right. with one gust of wind. Um, do like a contest on Twitter where we ask people to like send us like the perfect uh, first impressions of Earth list, play like track order, Ooh. and then we'll like uh, we'll give a prize to the best one. Sounds like a lot of work. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's really nerdy in a fun way. I'd be down to do it, um, but uh, if you. <laughs> Well, you've already said it. Is that happening? I guess so. Okay, so it's happening. So, well, yeah, we'll put out the prompt on Twitter. Do we give, do we give them prompt. any um, guidelines? No, impress us. <laughs> you know it. what we want. You've you know heard what we this. Want. Yeah, you know us by now. But what's the prize? What do we have to give them? We'll figure something out. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds fun. All right. One night with the throwback podcast host of your choice. <laughs> A night of like intimacy, you're saying? Not saying intimacy. What if a guy wins? Well, what if a woman wins? We're married men. <laughs> it's a fucking pandemic. You just got so much more upset about a woman winning. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Six feet apart, of course. Um, before we pick our song for the Spotify playlist, we need to thank... I mean the Apple Music playlist. I do not. We need to thank our Patreonies who make this podcast possible. Everybody over at patreon.com slash throwback pod putting in two dollars a month six dollars a month 
on and on and on, all the way to our top tier sponsors, Courtney and Wyatt mm. and Bruno, the sponsor. True American heroes and Canadian heroes. I don't even hold it against Courtney and Wyatt that we did a Jewel album. I can't. I can't be mad at them. How could I just you like possibly so be mad at them? I would honestly do it again because I love them so much. So that's what we're doing. Jewel part two coming next week. Wow. Only if it's if we do the My Hands album. <laughs> My hands are small, I know. All right. So thank you to everyone. Yes. Patreon.com. All right. Uh, let's pick it, Bob. Um, uh, I'll let you start. You, you got the floor. Um, there's a lot, lot of play here, Dan. I know that you probably want you only live once. I think that's the... That's the smart choice. That's the that's the safe money choice. To me, it's the best song on the album. To me, it's my favorite Stroke song. Uh, and I don't think it's too on the nose because, again, this is an album that has largely been forgotten by the mainstream. So if people are listening to our playlist uh, and they come across that song, there's a pretty good chance they'll be like, oh, I didn't even know this. I only know last night. This is amazing. See, you say that, though, but I think like Heart in the Cage is still getting played on modern rock radio. What, what is modern rock radio? I, what do you mean? But I'm talking about You Only Live Once as a song. I know. I, that was not a hit. Right. No, I agree with that. And I did like hearing Fear of Sleep again, as you said. Great. You threw it out there as a potential song. But I do worry that once I hear Fear of Sleep, I would assume the throwback podcast playlist is over. Because it feels like a last Whoa. song. So I'm going, you only live once. Great logic, Bob. Yeah. I like how you got there. I like your final choice, and I like how you got there. I know you would. You it's- only live once is the latest addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist. Well, let's just say this, Bob. I'm going to... You're not big on accepting olive branches. You know, you're very vindictive by nature. Yes. But why can't we just say, this playlist is available wherever... You do your music business, whatever music platform, unless you're on title, which, you know, grow up. I mean, come Peter on. Pan. Come on. Who are, you, who are you trying to impress with your title subscription you, and, and your dumb coconut tattoo? You think like Jay-Z and Beyonce and Rihanna are going to be like chilling and like just cycling through the subscription list and be like, oh, you're cool, Joe Becker. Hey, bro, guess what? Guess what? Beyonce doesn't give a fuck about you. give that. a fuck about you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. L- lashing out against title subscribers. So that's it. And it's true. You only do live once. So uh, go listen to the Strokes album again. Listen to the new Strokes album. Yes. Because it's very good. Very good. And if you're a little bit annoyed that we did another Strokes album, go fuck yourself. Go 